Numbers chapter 18, if you will. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our God, we bow before you this morning again, and we are so thankful for your great gift of your Son. And uh, Touching thoughts in the song we just sang, we thank you for the greatness, the, the depth of your love for us, as demonstrated so profoundly and so unquestionably in the, in the gift of your Son, here in his love, that God has loved us and given us his Son. What a thank, how thankful we are for that. We, we thank you for this time in your word. We pray that you will grant us by your spirit to enter in and understand and appreciate the things that you would have for us here. So help us, we pray, O oh God, we would, we would not venture upon this without uh, your grace upon us, without your spirit within us, without your help uh, for us. So we, we pray for that now in Jesus' name. Numbers chapter 18, again, we started on it, we didn't get very far, so we will uh, uh, start right away at the beginning of chapter 18 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Abram, or Aaron, excuse me, the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary, and thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. And thy brethren also of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bring thou with thee, that they may be joined unto thee, and minister unto thee. But thou and thy sons with thee shall minister before the tabernacle of witness, and they shall keep thy charge and the charge of all the tabernacle, only they shall not come nigh the vessels of the sanctuary and of the altar, that neither they nor ye also die. And they shall be joined unto thee, and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, for all the service of the tabernacle, and a stranger shall not come nigh unto you. And ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary, and the charge of the altar, that there be no wrath any more upon the children of Israel. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel to you, they are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar, and within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given you your priest's office unto you as a service of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And the Lord, no, that's where we'll stop. Verse 7, yeah. In this section, of course, of this book, as we've been looking at, it's all about the priesthood. Chapters 16 through 19 very specifically has to do with the priesthood and, and uh, in, in various ways, including the challenge to the priesthood in chapter 16, and, the, and then and, and, the, and you might even include chapter 15 where the offerings are talked about there, 
And you might even go as far as chapter 20, because by the time we get to the end of chapter 20, uh, Aaron dies. That's the, rec- that's the re- record of his death. And uh, Eliezer, his son, is, is uh, put into his stead as high priest in that end of chapter 20. So this whole section is all focusing on the priesthood. And uh, so the priesthood is a major topic for the sojourners in the wilderness. This is the new generation, starting in chapter 15, verse 1. When you become into the land, the Lord says, he has no doubt and he has perfect uh, confidence in his own ability to bring these, the, the little ones into the land. And uh, in spite of what's going to come in the next few chapters, the challenges and so forth, and right away the challenge to the priesthood uh, in chapter 16 and so forth. But for this generation that's in the wilderness, the priesthood is a very important thing. Indeed, it seems to me that the very fact that we are in the wilderness implies or suggests the importance and the necessity for a priesthood. <clears throat> to the priests were given the charge of the sanctuary and, and, and the charge of the altar, as we just read, and the rest of the Levites uh, were given the charge of the tabernacle. The, uh, the priests were to serve before the tabernacle witness, and as I was studying this, I think if you... That word witness there is the same word as testimony, um, or translated sometimes as testimony. And it's speaking of the testimony, or the witness, or the covenant, the testimony of the ark. Not the ark, but the, the tables of the covenant. There, there is technically, I think, technically, if, you, if we looked at a... At a footprint of the of the tabernacle and we remember that there's the veil in the center uh, which is actually the second veil the veil in the center that separates the holiest of all from the holy place and in the holiest of all is the ark of the covenant and within the ark are the tables of the of the covenant the the ten commandments is uh, representing uh, they are in fact the documents of the contract between God and his people given at at Mount Sinai. Uh, They're contract documents which binds both parties to the agreement that they have made. And these contracts then, any, any contractor or any contract that's, we, we use the same system uh, as a contractor, there are contract documents, and they include the plans, they include the specifications, they include all of the things that are, are required by the contract are part of the contract documents, and then they're usually signed. Uh, they also include the, uh, the payment and so forth that will be required to satisfy the contract by the homeowner. So you have the contractor's part and the homeowner's part and all of these, uh, this agreement that they've come to, uh, I'm going to pay you this much if you do this. And, and it details what has to be done and how much it's going to, they're going to charge. Those are the contract documents and they're signed and they're kept. 
and referred to as necessary as the contract goes on. Well, this is what we have here in the Ten Commandments. They are the contract documents between the agreement between God and his people. He will be their God. They will behave in this manner. And th these documents that are kept and in the holiest of all, in that tabernacle, that tabernacle, then that, that holiest of all part is technically, that's the tabernacle of witness, the tabernacle of testimony, some oftentimes referred to. The overall tabernacle, which includes the front part where the uh, lampstand, the table, show bread, and the golden altar, the overall tabernacle technically would be called the tabernacle of the congregation. And you'll see these different references in, in these Old Testament texts. And it's just, just an interesting kind of keep things in mind. Uh, the priests were to serve within, before the tabernacle of witness, before the holiest of all. That means they came into the holy place to serve God before up to that second veil, inside the first veil, which closed off the, the whole tabernacle itself, the tabernacle of con The Levites were to serve the tabernacle of congregation. They never went inside that first veil. They served the, 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 gen the overall building. <clears throat> so, and, I'm, and there's all kinds of things I'm sure that they had to do. I imagine that they supplied the wood for the offerings, they supplied the water for the labor. I would imagine that there, there were things that broke. There was um, the, the curtain all the way around the whole thing. The wind would come up and maybe tear a, a binding place loose or something would happen. The Levites were on hand to take care of everything that needed to be taken care of to facilitate so that the priests could carry out their work within the holy place and at the altar and so forth. Their work had to do with serving God, and the Levites' work had to do with serving the priests so that they could serve God. And in every case, both of them are serving the, the general people representatively before God and and in the whole context of the people of God, uh, in, in the presence of God, the Levites made sure that everything was in order so that that could be uh, maintained and so forth. That was the business uh, involved there. So, <clears throat> there is this distinction between the, the service of the priesthood and the service of the Levites. Verse 4 and 5, for example, just... They shall be joined unto thee, that is the Levites, joined unto the priesthood, and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation. That's the overall whole thing. For all the service of the tabernacle, and a stranger will not come nigh. But you, the priesthood, keep the charge of the sanctuary. That's, the, that's that inner one. That's, that's like going inside the veil. You keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar. There'd be no wrath anymore upon the children of Israel. So there's some distinctions here. So <clears throat> I try and think as I'm going through this, how this applies to us in the New Testament era. Uh, <clears throat> the priests offered 
We read this out of the book of Hebrews, that the priest was there to offer both gifts and sacrifices unto God. That is, they, they, uh, they kept the charge of the altar. They offered the gifts and the sacrifices unto God and so forth. And they were also to serve inside the sanctuary. They keep the charge of the sanctuary. What went on inside the sanctuary? They trimmed the lights, uh, the lamps, and, and, and filled the oil in the lamps and so forth, maintained the lamps and the lampstand. And then they also uh, took, uh, set the bread in order on the table. They maintained the, they took care of the table of showbread. And then probably more, uh, also they, uh, they, they burned incense. They offered incense at the golden altar. But these are the activities that went on inside of the sanctuary. That was their, their business to serve in the holy place. <clears throat> the, uh, all of these things, all of these things, both at the altar and both in the sanctuary, all that they did, the priesthood did, was directed Godward. It was, it was to, it was to bring gifts to God, to bring sacrifices offered to God, offerings to God, to bring, to, to tend in the, in the sanctuary, of course, there was the lampstand that, that was before the Lord, and there was the table showbread. Before the Lord, they put the table, the, the bread, the, the 12 loaves on that table and maintained that. That was for the Lord, as was the incense that were, the, the odor of that incense, the, the aroma of that incense was to fill that holy place. That was for the appreciation of the Lord. So the the, uh, the priesthood was designed, or the, the their work was focused on pleasing God, approaching God on behalf of the people, and uh, serving God. I, I'm sure there was there was more to it. What the priests did, I'm sure that they also taught the people somewhat and so forth. But but their primary function was focused toward the Lord and the Lord's pleasure and uh, and the Lord's requirements as far as uh, uh, making things appeasing or making things right between the people and their God. So they had a very important role, obviously, concerning that contract that was to be fulfilled always. And the Levites, well, <clears throat> I mean, when we think about that on, in the New Testament context, it's it's somewhat, it's a little bit easy to draw the lines to uh, to the New Testament priesthood and what we do as as New Testament as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are all of us called priests. And, uh, and so we serve under the high priest, our Lord Jesus himself, our high priest who is there seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of the majesty on high and interceding there and, and our functioning then under him and by his uh, direction and so forth. Uh, we serve God. And we bring offerings and sacrifices to God as, P as Peter writes about in the second chapter of the first epistle. Uh, we are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It's, it's our, our privilege, our function, our duty to offer up sacrifices to God and bring both gifts and, and offerings and so forth. And then there's, there's functions within the sanctuary. That's altar work. 
There's functions within the sanctuary that we are supposed to be uh, taking care of, and I can't draw all the lines there exactly. You'll have to think about some of those yourself. But one of the things, though, that, I've, that I would like to mention, and that is the offering of the incense at the golden altar, which, is, uh, which equates, it seems to me, very uh, clearly and directly to uh, our prayers and supplications and intercessions that we make with thanksgiving, our New Testament privilege and responsibility to offer up to God prayers, requests, intercessions for one another and for other people and for the world, and to bring thanksgivings to God. This sweet incense that uh, is uh, connected with the prayers of the saints, that's a, a wonderful privilege and responsibility. It's a priesthood function. Now, do we ever think about that? Maybe we do. Maybe you do. I sometimes probably lose sight of that a little bit when I come. When we gather together on Wednesday night, for example, we always kind of seem to, and I think this is true in any church I've ever been a part of, we always kind of seem to relegate Wednesday night as sort of a minor meeting, sort of a less significant from Sunday morning and so forth. It is truly a priestly function, a duty of the priesthood to bring to God the incense and uh, burn the incense on behalf of the people, to, to bring the prayers and supplications and so forth. It is a priestly function and a duty, and, and, it, and we should probably think about how important that is then in God's economy. Indeed, we think it is a marvelous thing that the Lord Jesus Christ, as risen high priest, is there in the heavenlies making intercession for us. We think his prayers, his prayer life is important. How is it then that our participation in the incense offerings should be sort of relegated as sort of second second rate or optional or maybe if we feel like it we'll we'll do that maybe not kind of a thing no no as important Christ's intercession on our behalf is critical for our maintain our maintenance our survival as believers in Him as so the the prayers of the saints offered up to God. I think we should relegate or recognize the critical that nature of that in the whole scheme of things. Well, that's kind of priestly functions. What does Levitical functions look like? Because we are not just... Here's the problem that Christendom has, made, has done, I think, and maybe not deliberately, maybe... We have a tendency, it seems to me, to try and take these pictures, the priesthood, for example or the, the Levitical and, and relegated to a certain individual in the New Testament era, and, and that would be a big mistake. Uh, I, I'm, let me suggest, sometimes perhaps we would almost think about it like this, that the, uh, that the elder, for example, it would be an example of priestly function, and the deacon would be an example of Levitical function. That is a very mistaken attitude and idea about it. Because every one of us are priests, right, in the New Testament, as believers in the Lord Jesus. And every one of us, as believers in the Lord Jesus, are called to serve one another and minister to each other. And that's Levitical, see. So we're all 
as I, con as I contemplate these Old Testament pictures, I, I try to keep correcting my thinking on it. We are all the people of God. We are all, all of us are Levites. All of us are sons of Aaron in the pictures. Those, the Old Testament uses pictures uh, to illustrate and help us understand and enter into the importance and value of New Testament functions in our lives. There are, our lives span all of these things. Let me give you another example. We, we, I talk frequently because we're in the book of Numbers and it's about the wilderness journey, about us being in the wilderness. Yes, indeed. But at the same time that we are in the wilderness, we were, we were delivered out of Egypt, weren't we? We take that picture. They came out of Egypt, delivered from slavery and out of bondage, and, and brought out of Egypt. And yet, we are in the world. We are in the world. And, and, the, and, and the enemy would uh, try to bring us under bondage uh, repeatedly. He that is, uh, 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 how does he put it in Romans uh, 6? Uh, know you not that he that uh, committeth sin is a slave of sin? Isn't that what he said? See, we still can become subject to the, the, the principles, the problems, the whole context of what is pictured by Egypt. And, taking it the other direction, we're, we are in the wilderness, yes. And yet we are also risen with Christ and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We've already entered into the inheritance that God has given us in Christ. So we're already in the land, in a sense, too. So as you look at these different kinds of pictures, recognize these Old Testament pictures break up, as it were, so that it can focus on one aspect of your Christian walk in life. I think it's difficult, at least it is for me, to do that and keep that all in focus. And studying the Old Testament and, and learning the lessons from it is no grade school, Sunday school class kind of thing. It's deep stuff. It's deep stuff. The Old Testament, yes, there are wonderful Sunday school stories in there, and we learn the story of David and Goliath and all these kinds of things, and we should. We teach them to our kids. We need to understand, we need to see them in their, in their wonderful historical value and beauty. But to really get the meat of the Old Testament, it takes real study. It takes real determination. You've got to really engage the old gray matter to, to really enter into the depths of it. If you, like I do, find the lines between Levitical service, that aspect of our Christian uh, responsibilities, and priesthood service, that aspect of our Christian If you find those lines blurred a little bit, that's okay. 
Because the Lord said here, and we read it, he has joined them. He took the Levites and he joined them to the priesthood. And it's a, it's a play on the name of Levi, of course. His name means joined. And God says, I have joined them to you. I think that's very interesting to think about. You know, it was uh, Leah's third son. When her third son was born, she wanted so badly to have a, a close relationship with her husband. She wanted to be joined with her husband. That's when her third son was born. She thought maybe this will be the catalyst that will bring my husband, join him with me. So she named him Joined. That was what was in her mind as she named this boy Levi. So it's an interesting thing to think about how that Levi was to facilitate the joining together of the husband and the wife. And his role then in history um, amongst the children of the tribes of the children of Israel, his role turns out to be just that, the facilitation of the joining of God and his people Israel as, a, as he served the tabernacle. And, uh, uh, and out of Levi came the priesthood. That was the very function of that tribe was to provide a... Uh, a, a sort of a, a coming together, a joining be together between God and the people of Israel. What a beautiful thing to think about and picture. By the way, if we understood all of the tribes of Israel very well, not just from the names, meaning of their names, but that's a key. We would see various aspects of ourselves in each one of these tribes and their functioning amongst the people, the children of Israel and so forth. And we would learn so much about ourselves and our, our uh, interaction with God if we could just see the depth of what's there in all of these tribes, not just Levi. But we're in Levi, we're in Numbers, which should be called Leviticus, because it's all about this whole business of the Levites and the priesthood uh, interaction with God and, um, before the people. But anyway, one last note that I want to make from verse 7 before we move on. He says there, uh, Thou and thy sons, this is talking directly to the priesthood now, Thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil. And ye shall serve. I have given you, I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift. Uh, notice he says that, there, that the priest's office, that, that privilege and function is something to keep. Keep it, he says. And the word there, if I quote from the word study dictionary, it means to watch, to keep, to preserve, to guard, to be careful, to watch over, to watch carefully over, to be on one's guard. Those are the kinds of things that you will see that translated as that word. To keep, that is to, 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 to relish its significance and value and it's important to keep this thing, this office of priesthood. 
It is so important in our service to God and our relationship with God. It is, a, it is a, that office and its subsequent service God has given as a service of gift. And, and that's, I see uh, the New American Standard that Darrell reads has uh, a bestowed service. Isn't that the way it says it? Verse uh, 7. I think it says a bestowed yeah, that's the word used. Bestowed service, isn't that the way you say it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A service of gift is, yeah. and, and uh, boy, I, I read around on that to see what is that really trying to say. And, and it's, uh, everybody is wondering like I am. We're all looking at each other. All the commentators and I, we looked at each other. What does that exactly say? That's actually the way it is in the original. A service of gift. And you might actually, uh, so I thought about it some more, and I thought, you know, gift, gift. In some cases, the word gift is almost synonymous with grace. Let's read it like that. I have given you the priest's office as a service of grace. It's a service of grace. We are to minister grace one to another. And it is by grace that we have this gift, this responsibility, this privilege of priesthood. Only by the grace of God can we serve him and serve his people. Only by the grace of God. If the flesh enters in, and when it enters in, doesn't it always disrupt doesn't it always damage? Doesn't the flesh always destroy the work of God and injure the people of God and disrupt the worship of God? The flesh is always so contrary. But the grace of God operating in us by the Spirit of God within us ministers to one another, building one another up and facilitating worship a joint and happy unity in worship to God. The relationship with God is strengthened and secured. The relationship with one another is deepened and blessed. Grace is so critical. This is a service of grace, this whole business of being priesthood or Levite, this kind of service in holy things. It is the highest possible occupation that we can possibly enter into. What an exaltation upon us is this thing called the priesthood or the Levitical service that we have and minister grace one to another. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. It's a service of gift that the Lord has given us. Keep this. Keep this business of the priesthood. It's a work, yes. And sometimes there's frustration, sure. Every work does. Keep it in your service to God. Well, now we pick up at verse 8. And I have to hustle. Now, in fact, I'm going to just basically fly over this next portion. Because uh, in verses 8 through 12, we find the maintenance of the priesthood. How do they survive? How do they get along? What is the nuts and bolts of how they actually uh, 
thrive well the food for the priests as we read in this chapter let's read verse 8 the Lord spake unto Aaron behold I have given thee the charge of mine heave offerings and all the hallowed things of the children of Israel unto thee have I given them by reason of the anointing and to thy sons by an ordinance forever this shall be thine of the most holy things reserved from the fire every oblation of theirs, every meal offering, and so forth. That's what they were to have and to eat. They were to eat it in the holy place. He goes on in verse 11. Their heave offerings and their wave offerings, you and your whole family eat it at home. This is your food. The best of the oil, verse 12, the best of the wine and of the wheat, the first fruits, that's for you. I've given that to you for your food. Read verse 18. And the flesh of them shall be thine. This is the offerings and so forth. The wave breast and as the right shoulder are thine. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given unto thee by a statute forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. So the food for the priesthood, what do they live off of? What, how do they survive? Well, they're to eat the, their food is the offerings that the children of Israel bring. <clears throat> and then if we were to continue in the chapter, we would find out that their financial provision, their, their provision financially comes also from the gifts of the people. The, the tithes that were given uh, in the rest of this chapter, verses 20 down to the end, the tithes of the people were given to the priests. That's wages or money for the priests, the financial support, for, not priests, for the Levites. Financial support for the Levites came from the tithes given, and then the Levites were uh, instructed in that passage to tithe the tithes, and that money was for the priesthood. So the priesthood uh, had their portion. What do we take from all of this? I wonder. Sometimes I have to think about it. This, so the, the, the food uh, came from the gifts and offerings of the sacrifices and heave offerings and so forth. Uh, spiritual exercise of the people of God when they would bring the burnt offerings and whatever else they would bring. Uh, that would be food for the priesthood. And, uh, and then the, the tithes, when they would tithe, that would provide the financial uh, for the financial need of the Levites and the priesthood and so forth. <clears throat> what do we get from this? It seems like we have to think about this. Uh, seems complicated. We're supposedly the people of, of God, like camped all around. We're, we're also the Levites and the priesthood. And so... The gifts of the people supply the needs of the priesthood and so forth. How does this work? How does this all work out? <clears throat> I guess I guess you could say if, if the if the priests were hungry, it must have indicated a fairly low level of appreciation of spiritual things amongst the people of God because they did not bring the offerings very often. You know, so the priests. Over here is a little restaurant called the Starving Rooster, you know, because there's a, they, they were advertising a, a, a combine so efficient 
that it took the grain from the field so well that a rooster would starve trying to find a meal out there gleaning it. Well, the starving priesthood would indicate that they weren't bringing any offerings, right? And, and, and I'm afraid that in some cases the priesthood and the Levites suffered want because of the spiritual problems or lack of spirituality of the people of God. Well, we read in Leviticus, or I mean in, in uh, uh, Judges coming up, there's, a, there's this Levite from Bethlehem, Judah, and he's, he's going out to find a you know, he's, gonna, he's trying to find some money. He's trying to find a, a living for himself because he's starved out. What does that say about the spiritual quality and condition of the people of Israel? Well, I don't know about you, but and when I think about this, I try and think about, okay, now how do I bring it down to myself? <clears throat> Maybe you, like me, have felt a real emptiness in my spirit in my worship, in my uh, hollowness, in my prayers, and in those kinds of functions that are, that are priestly functions that, I'm, that are sometimes so flat, so dry. Why? Maybe it's a sign of, a, of, of I'm, I'm starving my, my priesthood out, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe I haven't brought a reasonable offering to God. Maybe I've been slack in my recognition of what, what God has done for me and, and my thankfulness and so forth. Maybe I've been so distracted and turned aside from spiritual things that I haven't really brought any kind of an offering. My basket is empty, and my priesthood is starving. My spiritual endeavors and activities suffer lack and want and are getting skinny. What God wants from us, it seems to me, is the kind of offering that he wants from us what does he want? What does God want from us as an offering in the New Testament era? He doesn't want us to bring lambs and bullocks and so forth. But he does want us to bring offerings. Well, what are those offerings that the New Testament Christian brings to God and offers as a priest? Uh, aren't, aren't they appreciation of the person and work of Christ, weren't those Old Testament animals designed and to, to point people in an understanding, a better understanding and appreciation of the person and work of Christ? And so in the New Testament era, now that that, has, that, that economy is over, we still need to bring to God an appreciation of what Christ has done. Isn't that why the Lord Jesus in, instituted the Lord's Supper in the first place? For us to remember. This do in remembrance of me. 
to bring to mind and to understand in our hearts and to grow in our appreciation of who he is and what he has done for us and what it means to me to have a Savior who loves me and has done all that he has done on Calvary for me and all he continues to do for me. And the work that he has done, so vast, so amazing, we could never exhaust the resources that he has given us from which we might select an offering a simple offering of appreciation and praise to return to him. Oh, but we get so turned aside, I'm speaking to myself, I get so turned aside sometimes that a week might go by and I don't bring a thing. My basket is empty. I haven't spent any time in the Word and I haven't noticed anything in my personal meditations that has really impressed my heart with what Christ has done for me. I've kind of drifted off and forgotten that he died for me. I have forgotten that his blood was shed to purge my sins. So what I need to do is spend the discipline, the time to look in in the scriptures, in his holy word, meditate on Christ, or maybe I'm bringing a sin offering, maybe I need to confess my sins and come to God with a sin offering, an appreciation that Christ has died for my sins, and so forth. There's so many aspects of what we can bring And week by week as we gather at the Lord's Supper, various things seem to always come around. And there's just very beautiful meditations. This is our offering to God. And this feeds, as it were, the priesthood, if you will. If I'm going to function as a priest... To offer to God something that he would, that he has desired from me. If I'm going to function in that level, I need to have something to give. I need to meditate on the word. I need to recognize what Christ has done. I need to see the, uh, the application of the work of Calvary in my experience and enjoy those things and bring it to God with thanksgiving. So, it seems to me that there's a possibility that we could starve the priesthood, as it were. We could force the Levites to go out and find work. No longer serving the people of God. No longer ministering grace one to another. No, no, I'm too busy with my own self, my own interest, my own agenda. I have forgotten my calling, my high calling of God in Christ Jesus and I have just gone on in the world and of the world again and oh boy spiritual activities spiritual the service of grace and the holy things comes to a grinding halt in my life that's a reality we experience that we're in the wilderness 
And these challenges we'll see in the next few chapters. So anyway, that's, I think, what we glean from this portion. The food of the priesthood. If you want to be close to God and, and bring things that are appreciative of God, well, it's, it's up to you to, to, you can fill your basket. I tell you, there's, there's more than enough in the work of Christ to find so that you can bring and serve acceptably in the holy things and be a blessing to God and even to the people of God. My time is gone. I wanted to do chapter 19 today in the worst way. I wanted to bring us into chapter 19 and contemplate that that red heifer offering which is so strange. I guess it'll have to be another time. Maybe this is enough. Oh, ouch. Maybe this is enough of a lesson. <laughs> Maybe this is enough of a lesson for us to contemplate and to meditate and to, and, to, and to think about that we need to feed. We need to feed our priesthood. Yeah, if you will, if I can put it that way. We need to uh, pay the Levites ourselves I'm talking about our own our own service for God recognize recognize the high calling of God in Christ Jesus to serve one another to serve the tabernacle of the congregation as levites facilitating in any way we can we try to facilitate and make possible the work of the priesthood the worship of God amongst the people of God Whatever I can do to enhance and to deepen and to encourage and to edify uh, each other as we do that, we are we are like Levites repairing tears in the temple and or in the in the tabernacle and filling holes that the gophers dug and whatever it is. There are, there's a million probably things that we can do to minister to one another that would enhance and enable priestly service of each and all of us, worshiping God. Oh, and I want to do that. I want to enter into that. Don't I? Don't we all, in Christ Jesus, we want to enter into drawing near to God and offering up to him the things that he appreciates, things about his Son, in whom is all his delight. May God help us in these things. Father, thank you for your love to us and that you've given us even the possibility of serving you and serving one another in holy things. We who are sinners, he maketh the rebel a priest and a king. Oh God, what a great work was done at Calvary. What a great Savior we have, our great high priest. We rally under him as under priests, as it were, we rally under him and seek to serve in the sanctuary to serve thee and bring that which is pleasing to thee for your pleasure, for your satisfaction in us. So thank you for this. Uh, these thoughts. Uh, clear up all the confusion that I left behind, I pray, Lord. May your spirit help us to understand and, and enter in 
what you would have us to do in Jesus' name. Amen.